With injuries in the Red Sox rotation coming up left and right, we look at some of the best options to fill in those spots. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Lockdown Red Sox podcast. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I am your host, Jake Anzuski, and here, as always, with my co-host, Nessa's Lauren Willand. And I want to start this episode off by pitching an idea to the Red Sox social media department because I saw on the Buffalo Sabres TikTok account, they sort of did a... Uh, a replication of the two in between two ferns by Zach Galifianakis, the dry humor uh, TV show or show that Zach Galifianakis has where, you know, he he'll diss some players or he'll say their name wrong. And, and, you know, it's always funny to sort of see how the different celebrities or actors react. And the Sabres did it with, with two of their players. And honestly, I I thought the host that they had, you know, was honestly somebody that they just hired who was, you know, like a creator or a personality uh, in in Sabres world. But I can't believe it was actually a player. If you haven't seen what I'm talking about, go and check it out because it is hysterical. But the reason why I'm talking about this is because with all the personalities that the Red Sox currently have on this team, I think it's a no-brainer to do in between two socks. You literally just put, put two red socks in between two players and Kiki Hernandez seems like the perfect host to act as the Zach Galifianakis in the video. Yeah, he does. And you said it like the Red Sox have so much personality on this team and it's, it kind of gives a, a fun human side of athletes. I love when, when teams are able to kind of do this and I see the Bruins do it a lot with their on their TikTok. They're able to kind of do it and kind of get inside the heads of the players instead of just kind of hockey, hockey, hockey. So it would just, I think it'd be a fun segment. Anything to bring more fun and more, more personality and more like of the human side of the players. I'm always all for. And I think you could just, these two players just came immediately to mind. Rafael Devers, Alex Verdugo. You could do like two episodes with, with one of them. Uh, Devers, you know, you could make the whole scoop sort of joke and just hand and just hand him like an ice cream cone. And you're like, why aren't you looking at it? I thought you liked scoop. <laughs> and then, you know, with Verdugo, you know, TK could just have like all the chains and be like, is this enough or is this, or is this not enough? And just sort of just poking fun at the, at the different, uh, you know, things that fans know most of these players by, but uh, I've been loving the content that they've had thus far throughout spring training, you know, the Mike Dups, uh, you know, we, we even spoke about the, the race between, you know, Devers and Verdugo that came from uh, the, the Mike Dup video that the Red Sox put out, but it's been nice to sort of have that energy early on in spring training, as we've talked about. And it was also nice to hear after sort of a, uh, a scary moment in spring training, have a little bit of positive update. You know, we spoke about it in the later half of yesterday's episode regarding Justin Turner, but it was nice to see him make a tweet last night saying, thanks to everyone for all the messages and prayers. I'm feeling very fortunate to come out yesterday with no breaks and all my chiclets intact. The Red Sox medical staff and Lee Health have been absolutely amazing, and I'm going to be back out on the field as soon as possible. Yeah, that was really great to see. I know that his wife, Courtney, had also provided an update shortly after we we stopped recording, but that's really good. And it also came out that he didn't have to shave his beard. So I, I know that's, you know, it's something small, but it's kind of takes into consideration how serious this could have been because he didn't lose any of his teeth. He didn't have any fractures, which to me is just incredible when you get hit in the face 
mm-hmm. and you don't have any fractures. I don't know if you watched the show, the challenge on MTV, but on the final, they had slingshots and the girl got hit it ricocheted a golf ball hit her right in the middle of the eyes. And she broke her face in like five places. And it was just I'm all, I, every time I see someone get hit in the head, I'm like, everything's broken. Like stuff just had to have shattered. So it's really great to see, you know, his teeth are okay. His face is okay. Obviously there's stitches and swelling, but those will go down and those will go away. And I think that's the most important thing and that he can start to kind of recover. And he still has a sense of humor. Like he just, he's happy to have his teeth. And and that's one thing I think I'd be worried about if I got rocked in the head with a fastball, I'd be like all, all all of my teeth here. Like that's, that's what's important to me right now. All my teeth are here. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I like I said uh, in last episode, I'm just waiting for the, you know, I, I didn't think I could get much more ugly than this sort of joke coming from Justin Turner. But, uh, you know, de- definitely, you know, wishing him a speedy recovery. And, you know, even though um, it's it's not the the most positive thing that you would like to see in spring training, you know, this could give more opportunities for different players. That That is one aspect to look at it with Justin Turner out, you know, maybe players like, you know, Bobby Dalback, Nico Cavadas could have more opportunities to show off what they could do uh, throughout these spring training opportunities. But, uh, you know, we're going to see some other starters as well, have more opportunities to show that they can fill some of these rotation roles. And, you know, one pitcher who was most recently, uh, taken out of the game after his first start in a Red Sox uniform and James Paxton, uh, Cora actually gave a little bit of a positive update on him. He said he's moving well and could play catch tomorrow, all in all trending in the right direction. He said, obviously not rushing, but uh, he's able to get on the mound by the end of the week where we are in a better spot than we thought that we were a couple of days ago. And it's nice with a lot of these injuries so far, uh, it hasn't been as bad as it looks on the, on the surface, you know, not only with Paxton, but also with Bayo as well with his forearm. Yeah. And it's obviously good that you hear that they're progressing well, that things seem to be going in the right direction. And the, the important thing now, especially because it is still early in spring training. Yes. Opening day is about three weeks away, but you do not want to rush either of these players, especially Bayo when there's such a bright future ahead of him. And that's not Mm -hmm. a knock on Paxton at all, but he's not a, 23 24 year old kid now but you obviously don't want to rush Paxton either you want him to be in the as close to 100% as possible but really good uh, movement on both of these players especially with Bayo when he had the forearm tightness it's just like oh god here we go like what 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 next but and then Paxton with the hamstring so all around good news that's what you like to hear it's much better than hearing oh he's not going to be able to play we don't know when he's going to get back on flat ground or back on throwing on the mound so it's it's really really positive and I'm glad that it's moving in that direction for the both of them I hope we see them sooner rather than later but like I said there's absolutely no need to rush either of them back to this team right now I I, honestly like I just want to see Paxton make two starts in a row like that's really that's all all I'm looking for (laughs) we're not asking for much even when he tried to come back, you know, last season, uh, I think he only, you know, pitched one or two innings and, th- and then had to, you know, be shut down and then, you know, didn't pitch at all for the rest of the season. And then, you know, his first start in spring training, you know, same thing all over again. And so I, I think just being able to see that consistency or, you know, at least just m- maybe even three innings out of James Paxton would be nice to see, but at, at least... Uh, he's progressing a little bit quicker than the Red Sox maybe anticipated. But, you know, still with Whitlock, Bayo, and Paxton, that leaves three spots in this Red Sox rotation to be filled in. And, you know, one thing that we've spoken about all throughout, you know, this offseason is the depth 
at least in starting pitching, it could be very critical uh, with this team, with, with sort of how fragile uh, all these different starters are and where you don't really know uh, what could come up throughout the season, you know? And, and so I, I think being able to have, you know, these different depth pieces, not only in Worcester, but also, you know, uh, stocked up as long relievers in the bullpen is super important. And, you know, one guy specifically, you know, that is, you know, uh, was pitching yesterday and he's also going to be looked at as, you know, the, the no brainer to fill in that spot. I think is Tanner Houck. Yeah, I think so too. I think that he was somebody who, when coming into spring training that they said, no, he's going to be a starter. And it just all of a sudden became, you have seven or eight people being like, yeah, he'll, he can start. But Tanner Houck, I think, you know, now with, with the injuries to Paxton Bayo and Whitlock and not probably not being ready for opening day, but now he kind of has that opportunity to slot in there and show what he's got. He did look pretty strong in his spring training outing. And yes, what did you have liked more? Of course, but that's why he'll get more, more starts and more reps. And we'll see that third pitch there. Um, you know, his slider looked really, really good, even though he struggled in that outing, it was that slider was still something that was a, a high point during his brief time on the mound. So I do think that he is, the, I don't know if no brainer is the right word, but I do think he's the, the person that they're going to look to and be like, you're starting. Like, this is your time to prove that you can be a starter. You can start every five days. You have confidence in that third pitch. You can get around the, the batting order more than two times and not struggle within that third and fourth time through the order. And I think Houck's up for the challenge. I think, you know, he said it in the beginning of the, of spring training, he's got a chip on his shoulder. And we've mentioned that a lot of players probably are feeling that same way. So coming off the surgery, feeling good and having confidence in that third pitch, I think that if he can kind of put all those things together and make a he'd make he, on paper he makes a solid a solid starter. You know he's called he's been called the right-handed Chris Sale, which with the last three years you're probably like okay maybe he shouldn't be the right-handed Chris Sale, but he look I think he'll look much better. You know his second time around, his third time around once he gets more comfortable. And we still you know we have to remember he is coming off the surgery that he had a disc issue in his back. So that's that's nothing to play around with. That's a major right. surgery. So I think that he's got the the best probability to slide back slide into that rotation and prove that he's going to stay there if he doesn't want to move to the bullpen. I think that's a good point with him coming back from from surgery because you know I I feel like especially after his first start in the spring uh walking four batters in his control not looking the best, you know that that could put off an alarm in some fans mind of, Oh boy, you know, could there be a control issue issue with how, but you know, it, it's going to take a little bit for him to be able to get that pinpoint control back and, and to get back comfortable pitching on the mound regularly as well. And, you know, I, I think especially uh, th this is a very critical time for how to show the Red Sox that he deserves a long-term commitment. And, and, you know, they, they've talked about the extension a little bit uh, over the last month or so of a possibility. And and I think this is where you really see what you have in Tanner Houck, not only as a starter, but a potential, you know, bullpen piece. And, and you know, anytime you bring up the Whitlock and, and Houck sort of debate, everybody wants to see, you know, both of them in the bullpen more, you know, I obviously I know your stance on Whitlock too. And so, you know, I'm curious to see how in this stint, Houck is really able to perform because, you know, last season when he made four starts, 432 ERA uh, over 16.2 innings. And the one thing that I found very interesting looking at his career as an overall starter, he's only averaged 4.6 innings uh, per game. And, you know, when you really look at it, 
the third inning and fourth inning is when he really struggled. You know, in the third inning, over 21.2 innings uh, over his career, has a 498 ERA. And then the fourth inning, uh, a 366 ERA. So, you know, we, we've talked about it, you know, the, th- the third time around the order or, you know, the second time, you know, hitters are seeing him in the lineup. It, it doesn't doesn't really work out for him great. And that's why we've seen the Red Sox want him to you know, focus more on being a bullpen arm. But, you know, this could be his opportunity to audition for that for some of those spots in the rotation. Yeah. You said it best that this could be the opportunity that he has for to, to be a starter on this team. And then that's, that's kind of been his whole MO, right? That we, he was kind of uh, marketed as a starter and having that third pitch, I keep going back to this third pitch, but that was the whole big thing. If he was going to be a starter, he needed to develop that third pitch and he has, and now it's just a matter of him getting more comfortable with that and, just trying to attack hitters and go in and, you know, I, I know that it's probably really hard when you're on the mound and you start getting knocked around, you get, you get in your own head, you start throwing pitches that maybe you're not comfortable with. You're not locating them as well. But I think now that he's healthy, he's got his back issue taken care of. He's got that third pitch. I think that, and he knows that this is a, a big spring training and a big first few weeks in the regular season. If he does get into that, into that uh, starting rotation, I do think he'll have a, I think he'll have a, a not a super short leash, but he's not going to have all these chances to, you know, right the wrongs. I think that if he starts to struggle and then Brian Bayo's ready to come back, it, the easy answer there, if, if Houck is the one struggling to kind of put him back in the bullpen, maybe kind of get his head right. But you have a lot of guys here and Tanner Houck is one of them who could be, who could fill the longer inning relief guy. And we, you know, the Red Sox don't really have one of those players, those pitchers right now. So Tanner Houck could be one of those guys but I hope they figure out sooner rather than later because we've talked to pitchers on this show and how it's just so different preparing to be a starter than a reliever. And you just don't want to mess that up you know, seven different times in the season. And I, I think, you know, you, you could say this about how can then also, you know, the, the next person that we're going to talk about in Josh Winkowski, but being able to have, uh, you know, one of those longer relievers or, or a player in the bullpen that has experience as a starter that might be able to, you know, bridge the gap between how can in the other bullpen arms, you know, how can only go four innings being able to have a guy, you know, like Cutter Crawford or Winkowski that's able to go, you know, two innings to bridge to that, that next reliever that's able to come up in, in out of the pen. So then, you know, you don't just deplete your whole bullpen when you put a guy like Tanner Houck on the mound or something like that, who isn't able to go the long distance like a regular starter is able to. And, you know, Winkowski kind of struggled with that last year too, but he's he's looked a lot different so far uh, in the spring, pitching five innings, only allowing three hits, walked three batters, but has had seven strikeouts over one start in two games. And from what we saw last year from him, I think that when you just look at the stats plainly, you're like, you know, this guy really struggled in his rookie year. But if you also look at the amount of times that he was sent down and called back up and essentially just thrown into a really tough situation, I, I think you sort of have a little bit of grace for, for sort of the numbers that you're looking at or, or, for, or for the pitcher. And, you know, maybe he is getting an unfair assessment just from what the numbers are, are saying, you know, especially with a 589 ERA over 14 starts. And I think the one thing that, you know, really stuck out to me is, you know, he'll have a lot of hits, 10.8 hits per nine. And, you know, the strikeouts per nine at 5.9 compared to 9.1 from what he had in Worcester, drastic difference. Yeah. And you look at someone like Winkowski and I peg him as someone too, who was just kind of, you said it, thrown into MLB action to no fault of his own. 
And we could have said this about a number of pitchers last year, but we did see a lot of, here we go. We saw a lot of potential from him on at certain times throughout his starts last year and his outings. And we know that there's something there. And I think the Red Sox know there's something there as well. And if nothing, then he'll, he'll be a good depth piece. And we've said it, we've had listeners say this, that you can never have too much depth. And he, he has looked good. There's been times where I've written stories about how good he's looked, how he's earned praise from Cora and his teammates. And I think that now that he's more comfortable, he's had a full spring training or a full off season going into a full spring training, kind of knowing more what his role could be, whether that's with the Red Sox, he'll know what his role is with the Wu Sox. And he'll be able to, you said, you know, he's working on a new grip for his slider. Sometimes that's all that sometimes it just makes the big difference when you switch up your grip on any sort of pitch and all of a sudden it starts working better for you. It's all baseball is a game of mechanics. It's crazy mm-hmm. how you just, you know, talked about Jaron Duran changing his batting stance and you just change one thing as a pitcher, one or two things as a pitcher and all things start to fall into place. Maybe that's going to work for Winkowski. I, I, I like the guy. I don't, you know, it's, a shame that things worked out the way they did last year for him, where he just could not really get into a solid groove. I hope this year is different. And maybe that, that grip on his slider is going to make a world of difference for him. Especially with, with that slider being his second most utilized pitched 28.6% of the time, according to baseball savant, that's going to be huge. And, you know, I, I think, you know, this new stash uh, brings him a little bit of swagger too, as well. You know, he's, he spoke about how, how it's sort of, came about he shaved his beard uh and then essentially his wife like the stash was like i'll just keep it why not and you know a lot of the other players like it as well but it's nice to see him have a little bit of that confidence going into this full first full big league spring training and you know one of the biggest things that you know looking at his splits that i thought was kind of weird uh from the first inning to the second inning, had identical stats of 321 ERA, only allowing five earned runs. And then the third inning, 15.80 ERA, allowing 24 earned runs. So if he wants to be successful in the majors, like just plain and simple, you got to figure out how to pitch in the third inning. Because then when yes. you look at the fourth, a .82 ERA with with uh, with one earned run. If you're asking like how many innings, you know, for, for each of these, it's, it's an average of 11 – 11 to 13 innings for each of the each each of these different stats that I'm saying. And so it's it's not skewed whatsoever in terms of this the sample size, but I just couldn't believe, you know, the, the 2400 runs uh in just the third inning alone, but very curious to see how just his performance in general is is able to continue to help him get a, more of a bigger role with the team uh, throughout this spring training, but there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be able to help uh, the Red Sox ultimately be able to improve as well as surprise a lot of people going into this next season. And if you want to bet on, on some of the futures uh, for the Red Sox, you can do that over on FanDuel, but Looking right now, it's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, free. It's, excuse me, safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first best up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. And now looking at another player who has been talked about a lot as well. 
as somebody who could slot into one of those rotation roles. And it's also been uh, being raved about throughout this spring training thus far due to his impressive performance is Cutter Crawford. And, you know, we talked about him a little bit in our last episode, but I, I think that he's the name that has been most talked about outside of Tanner Houck in terms of filling in one of those rotation spots. He's definitely kind of my guy to make this roster now with the, with the injuries. I think that he's shown a lot of really good things in spring training and he's been, you know, like you, you mentioned it raved about like, and Alex Cora and people on the Red Sox don't just say these things to make it look like that they like someone or that they have a good, you know, they have good chemistry going, you know, they, they hold each other accountable. They know when someone's not pitching well. And I think he's done really, really well up until this point. I hope that trend continues. I do hope he continues to get better because he could be a a nice fill-in guy. He could also be somebody who makes it hard on Alex Cora when this team gets healthy to be like, okay, who do I take out? Who goes here? Who go, who replaces who? It's probably going to get pretty not messy because I don't think is it, you know, it's not gonna be dramatic or anything, but this could be a really difficult decision on Cora if things keep going the right way for him. I think especially now that Crawford has a first MLB season under his belt, he he knows uh, sort of what didn't go right in his first season with the Sox in, in the majors and, you know, maybe what he can improve upon. And I won't be surprised if throughout this, this past off season, he really looked sort of at the numbers at the tape and, and tried to work on, you know, improving the different things to be a dominant starter or reliever in the majors. Cause you know, the numbers don't serve him too great, at least as a starter, he was, he was one for six when he was on the mound, a 597 ERA with a 434 FIP over 13 starts. And the one thing that really stuck out to me, he allowed 11 home runs in 63.1 innings. And so that's one thing that I, I think he really needs to avoid, especially, you know, when you're pitching at Fenway park, oh, yeah. uh, being able to stay away from allowing those home runs. And then, Ultimately, just just being able to have good control and get deep in the counts. I, I think that's one thing that we saw from him uh, when he had great control. And I, I guess you could say this really about any pitcher. He was dominant on the mound and he was striking out guys left and right and, and wasn't really allowing a lot of ducks on the pond. And I, I think, you know, in, in some of the starts where we saw him allow, you know, three to five runs, you know, he had three to four walks or so in, in some of those different starts. And so just being able to see consistency from Crawford, I think is going to be key because he was sort of like Nick Pavetta, in my opinion, you know, he would give you a great start and then he would blow up the next one. You said ducks in the pond. I've never heard that. I've heard get all your ducks in a row, but ducks in the pond. I like that. I'm going to start using that. That's a good one. But yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I think that much like Crawford, like this is another, another opportunity for somebody to showcase that they really could help this team. And even if it's not right away, they could help this team. If there's another injury that pops up, you always have September call-ups to look forward to. But if you, I mean, if you can show that you that you've worked hard, that you are reliable, that you're steady and that you can get batters out. I think, like I said, Alex Cora is going to have a lot of tough decisions to make. It's not going to be easy cutting anyone and sending anyone to Worcester and sending those people back to Worcester inevitably when this team gets healthy. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. Like I said, we still have, you know, three, three ish weeks till opening day. So it's going to be the pitching, especially it's going to be a lot of fun to keep our eyes on. And right now, as we're recording, Tanner Houck has like three strikeouts through two innings. So he's already looking really good. So that's that's good news. And now we just need, you know, we need Crawford, we need Minkowski, Walter, Brian Mata. We need all these guys to come in here and kind of do that and show show fans and show the Red Sox and show Alex Cora that 
they want to be part of this team and they want to do whatever they have can do to make this roster. And, you know, anytime I think of Crawford, you know, just sending him back down to Worcester. I remember when we went to our first Woo Sox game together and he allowed like seven run runs in his Woo Sox start and then went up to the Sox, you know, a few days later and like shoved. And so like some pitchers, it helps going down to the triple, going down it, to triple yeah, and working on some things. Some, some it doesn't. But, you know, you brought up some of the September call-ups and there, there's two guys in particular that could, you know, be able to get their chances before those specific September call-ups. And Brandon Walter is a guy who's not only a friend of the podcast, had him on, we've had him on multiple times. And so if you want to learn more about him, you can go over and check out the interview that we had with him this past offseason. But he's somebody who has had a lot of talk around his name, not only throughout uh, you know this spring training, but also going into the season as well. And interestingly enough, Baseball America rated his – his slider the best in the Red Sox system he also has the best control in the Red Sox system and it's pretty crazy because he averages a 1.1 walks per nine innings last year and over 180 innings overall in his career has only allowed 1.7 walks per nine incredible control and that's huge we saw so much struggle last year when it came to Red Sox walking batters and how they just couldn't seem to really control their pitches. And then you, I mean, yes, they ha- it all has to translate into major league levels, right? But you already have Baseball America, which they do really good work over there. They're not just going to rate something for funsies. They're not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, we like this guy, so we're going to give it to him. Like, they're watching these. They're watching film. They're watching, they're comparing film and side-by-sides and doing everything that I wish I had patience for. But the control is the biggest thing I think that stands out to me because last year I don't know how many times we jumped on here venting about pitchers not having control and just seeing pitchers be all over the place they couldn't get a good grip on the ball they couldn't Mm -hmm. locate their pitches their pitches so to see this um it's obviously very encouraging I really hope we get a a good look at him I, I mean September probably seems like the most logical but Worcester's nice and close always go down to support support Brandon Walter but seeing the command that he has now that's going to be huge for his growth and hopefully his confidence. Cause if he can keeps that control and that command over all of his pitches and can keep the numbers, you know, where they are or even lower them, he's going to be a very solid major league pitcher. And I, I think from what we saw, how well he did in Portland and how quickly the Red Sox called him up to Worcester after only eight starts just shows how ready I guess he is for that big stage. Obviously, you're not going to know how well he's going to be able to do until he gets that debut, until he gets that opportunity. But from what we've seen thus far against, you know, major league batters, he's done relatively well in spring training. Obviously, you can't put all your stock in that. But at the same time, I think especially with the limited amount of reps that he has had in AAA, I would like to see him get at least 10 starts under his belt, at least at the AAA level, just so then he's able to continue to develop his pitches a little bit better, continue to build up that experience against competitive and and good hitters at a high level. And and I think from what as well, you know, we've we've seen a lot of fans, you know, realizing he has a very similar sort of, uh, you know, arm slot as Chris Sale, sort sort of that across the body slider as well. And uh, I'm very excited to see sort of, how he breaks camp and if the Red Sox potentially, you know, want to give him a full fledged opportunity right out of camp and thinks that he is, he's good enough to skip the triple A level. Yeah. I don't think I would love for that to happen. I love, you know, when stuff like that does happen, I don't think that will, I think that they have enough depth that's already major league ready or very close to being major league ready that they won't want to rush anyone, especially someone if they want 
this person to be or the specific person to be part of their organization long term, whether that's Mm -hmm. next year and then for a few years. But I think that they'll do whatever they can to keep developing these guys the right way. And hopefully we don't have a situation like last year where you're just looking through the farm system and be like, all right, he's close enough or he's the closest to being major league ready. Let's just get him up here. I think that that there won't be, you know, Andrew Benintendi skipping AAA or anything like that. I think it's going to be not slow and steady, but it's going to be a comfortable pace to get these guys where they should be. I, th- I think Mata, you know, fits perfectly in that as well. You know, coming back from TJ last season and and really only had, you know, a few starts in AAA and, and struggled a little bit at that level. But Alex Cora is sort of giving Mata his, his vote of confidence saying that, you know, he'll be a part of this team staff at some point in 2023. And you brought it up already in this episode, you know, Cora's words, don't take them lightly. You know what I mean? He right. means what he says. And so we've seen, you know, Mata uh, – it's two innings thus far at a relief uh, throughout spring training, one walk, three strikeouts. And from what we saw in Portland, very intriguing, a 185 ERA, 10.7 Ks per nine. But but the walks is something that he really struggled with, not only in Portland, Portland but also in Worcester. 4.3 walks per nine in Portland, but also in Worcester, a five walks per nine. And the one thing that I noticed from the starts that I at least saw live uh, with the Woo Sox, you know, he was, he was able to strike out batters very effectively, but, you know, he, he got – you know, behind in the count in, in almost every single up at bat. And so, you you know, sometimes that bites you in the butt where, you, you know, you get three and two and you're able to strike them out. And yeah, woo, you know, we got the out. But, you know, if you continuously do that, you know, those walks are going to start piling up. And especially in the majors, you got to be pinpoint. Yeah, you don't want to fall behind in counts. You don't want to jack up your pitch count because you're getting behind every single count. But there there is a lot to like about Mata, especially though there's – been a lot of hype around him for a long time. And then he had the Tommy John surgery. So it's been a little bit of a setback, obviously, for him. But, you know, this year, Alex Cora said that he's going to be part of our roster at some point. I'm interpreting that as September. But to see, like, the the progress he's made over the last year and to see what he did last year especially. But I would love if he just stopped falling behind in those counts. Because, like you said, it could it could come back to bite you. Even if you get out of it, you're still – throwing more pitches than you probably want to and maybe you're just kind of working yourself up but I think that those I mean those are things that he will correct in the minors you hope that he corrects while he's in the minors but this is this is the the year of Brian Mata watch I think and not necessarily to get him into the Red Sox organization but to see him really build up as a pitcher and kind of see the future of the Red Sox we're going to see a lot of intriguing prospects this year that the Red Sox have in their system. And, and I think the whole role aspect is going to be very interesting as well. You know, is Mata more of a starter or a bullpen piece? And, you know, maybe if you consistently see him get behind in the count and stack up those walks, maybe he's more of a, you know, long reliever, a bullpen piece. And, you know, being able to identify sort of those roles early on to help a guy be able to strategically prepare for the season is very critical, but you don't know that without sort of uh, the evidence that points to that specifically. And so the Red Sox will, you know, be able to make some of those decisions throughout this season and also potentially be able to give some of these guys a shot to show what they have at the major league level. But I put out on Twitter sort of a question of what guys you could see the Red Sox filling in the rotation spots for Paxton, Whitlock and Bayo. And, you know, we, we had, uh, we had uh, Jay God sports. He said, Hauk slash Winkowski. We had and Andy Fabanio. Uh, he said Tanner Hauk has always been a lock in the rotation for me. Uh, then we had uh, Ben. I'm not going to say his, his app because 
not very appropriate for, for the program, <laughs> but uh, I go with, with Walter over uh, Mata personally for this. And then, and then we also had, uh, then we also had uh, a few other people say uh, Walter uh, over Mata, like Sox uh, optimist as well. And so I, I think in a lot of people's mind, uh, you know, people see Walter more having upside than Mata, which, which makes sense, especially not only with his age, but his experience, um, you know, in the minors. And, you know, it, it hurts Mata a little bit with, with that Tommy John surgery and having to recover throughout a year. Uh, but I'm, I'm very excited to see not only how, you know, both Walter and Mata, but also all these different players are able to perform and, and really where they uh, ultimately end up at the end of spring training. But we're going to keep you posted about everything that's happening leading up to opening day on this podcast. We're posting five days a week, and we actually have two very special guests planned over the next two days. I'm going to I'm going to tell you the first one because it's going to be coming out uh, on Thursday. But uh, Red Sox beat writer for Boston Globe. Uh, Alex Spear is going to be coming on the show. Uh, that episode is going to be posted on Thursday. So if you have any questions for him, make sure to follow us over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. I'm going to be putting out a tweet sort of asking what questions or topics you want me to ask Alex. So if you have anything in mind, go over and respond to that tweet when we put it out over, over the next few hours or so to make sure that not only your question, your topic, but also I'll mention your name as well in the episode uh, to be able to give you credit for that specific topic or question. But we want to thank you so much, as always, for making Lockdown Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen and check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. Also, make sure to follow myself on Twitter. It's at Jake Iggy. And also, Lauren, it's la la la, three laws, Lauren with four R's, but we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in as always. We hope that you have a great rest of your day and we'll end it how we always end it. Keep the faith and let's go socks. Peace. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.